0: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, bearing in mind where you are in the world and welcome to the very first episode of the GTW podcast. We are going to be grappling through the week with our weekly podcasts. Um, We are going to be looking at... uh, weekly shows from WWE, we're going to be looking at NXT, we're going to be looking at AEW Dynamite um, and as of when they happen obviously we'll be going through pay-per-views uh, of both companies as well and we'll be reviewing them, getting our thoughts, getting our thoughts from some of you guys um, and we'll be sort of airing them out and sort of talking them out on how we reviewed that show. Um, for our very, very first episode um, we are going to be reviewing Raw from the 29th of March um, We are very, very much on the road to Wrestlemania. We have gone through the Elimination Chamber. We have gone through Fastlane. And we are now a matter of days away from the biggest pay-per-view of the year in terms of pro wrestling. Um, And more to the point, there will be fans. And that is something that we have longed for for some time now. Obviously, AEW have have tried it and they've tried to emulate that sort of fan experience. And to their credit, they've done fairly well with it. And you know, we've seen the uh, uh, the sort of upsides of having that genuine reaction back rather than a than a forced one or having your own employees chant for people that you know might be their friends or whatnot. But regardless. WrestleMania, we are going to have fans, and that is a massive step forward in getting us back into normality and away from our empty arena shows that we are so, so used to now with um, every single weekly show that we see. Um, So we're on the road to WrestleMania, and obviously it is a lot of public knowledge that WWE are panicking. We've seen that over the last couple of weeks with the booking, etc. We've seen certain matches not being locked in. And there's been a number of reports constantly that the WrestleMania card is not finalised. And it's tough. You know, there's a lot to consider with WrestleMania, especially booking it over two nights. There's obviously a bigger card to fill. Um, We had this last year with WrestleMania 36 being over two nights and we had a couple of matches that were sort of just thrown together at the last minute. But this time around, it seems that it is even gone as far as to affecting our main event uh, matches themselves, which is (sighs) understandable, but it's something that we would normally have done weeks in advance and know where we were heading a long, long time ago. Obviously, the Royal Rumble was, oh, it seems like an absolute eternity ago now, but since that moment, that is that for me is when certain feuds that are going to be involved in WrestleMania need to be done and dusted. And unfortunately, that hasn't really happened. We've had a lot of rushed booking, especially over the last couple of weeks, both on Raw and SmackDown. Um, there's a little bit more rushed booking that we can see clearly uh, tonight on tonight's Raw that we're going to review today. Um, and yeah, look, we'll we'll talk this out or we'll, you'll get some of my genuine thoughts on how I feel some of these matches are going to go down at WrestleMania, how I feel about the certain booking during these Raws. but we're going to go through it and we're going to see what we think. So, <laughs> To get us underway, um, obviously it was very well known that Bobby Lashley set out a uh, a deal for anyone who was willing to take out Drew McIntyre um, and not get not allow Drew to wrestle Bobby at WrestleMania. Bobby said that whoever does so and takes Drew out will be rewarded with a WWE Championship opportunity at WrestleMania instead of Drew. Um, So we're greeted with Drew walking in to the arena and straight away Sarah goes up to him and is very, very keen to get his thoughts on on what he thinks. And Drew straight away issues a warning to everybody and anybody who is willing to take Bobby's deal seriously. And he also sets out how sure are you that Bobby's going to come through with his deal, which... Is fairly logical because you know Bobby is a heel, so it sort of makes sense for that to be brought up. And for whoever is considering Bobby's deal in storyline, it is a you know a genuine logical thing to think about when actually taking on this deal. Um, but anyway, that passes, and we we see Drew walk into the arena, and we know and we understand that that is going to be our theme really for most of Monday Night Raw tonight, so um. We start off with the Hurt Business, and that is probably the. this is probably the biggest takeaway from tonight's Raw. We may have just seen the breakup of a very, very, very important faction that we have seen over the last few weeks, and I'll be honest, in terms of reactions and my own reaction, I'm not fully in favour with it, to be quite frank. Um... So the Hurt Business will come out as a unit to start off with, and straight away, uh, we're looking at some footage from Raw last week, where Drew uh, beat Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander in a two-on-one handicap match. Now, immediately when I saw this, I thought this was a bit odd, because I wasn't entirely sure why you would air your faction's downfall, if that makes sense, and... And straight away, uh, you can tell by the facial expressions on Shelton and Cedric that they are not too pleased with this. They feel that they have been brought out just so they can be embarrassed by MVP and Bobby and sort of shoved in their faces what they did wrong last week. And both of them, understandably, are not happy with this. And suddenly, out of absolutely nowhere, Bobby and absolutely clocks Shelton Benjamin and we get the breakup as such. And both men try and attack Bobby. Um, he takes out Shelton Benjamin first. Uh, Cedric at this point has been thrown out of the ring by Bobby. Cedric tries to get back in, but actually decides against it and stays away from returning to the ring while Shelton has been beaten down. This was a weird one. Um, MVP uh, seems to be sticking with Bobby, um, which is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, but it seems to be, well at this point anyway, it seemed to be that was going to be the duo that was going forward. It would be Bobby Lashley with MVP as his manager. But Cedric and Shelton Benjamin seem to no longer be a part of the Hurt business. And the Hurt business in general is is no more. Um, it was a number of times reinforced that Bobby Lashley is the almighty. That seems to be the the tagline they're going with rather than uh, aligning him alongside the Hurt Business, it's now the Almighty Bobby Lashley, and I'm fine with that. Um, you know, that's that makes a lot of sense to me. Getting getting something like that alongside Bobby, um, but something just didn't feel quite right to me. It, the Hurt Business themselves have been absolutely fantastic, uh, especially over the the Empty Arena uh, era of WWE, and to have them broken up. A matter of days before WrestleMania just seems like a very, very strange booking decision um, for me. I think that all four of them together have been absolutely fantastic. They've all each had their own glory in, in one way or another. In terms of MP, MVP, it's definitely come outside of the ring because we have seen it a number of times now that MVP is absolutely fantastic at selling things for for all three of those other uh, faction members. Um, also, a side note tonight, it, after this happened, we it seemed that MVP was on commentary uh, all night, which was a pretty interesting move. Um, obviously, he was continu- continuing to, to sell Bobby Lashley right the way throughout the night. And, you know, as, as he rightfully should, he is his representative, he represents Bobby Lashley and the Hurt Business, I'm doing quotations either side of my head, um, but yeah, after this happened, it, MVP spent most of the night on commentary, and not just for the matches that were storylined to, to help Bobby Lashley, it was just on commentary all night, commentating on everything, which I quite liked, it was, it was quite interesting to hear his thoughts on, uh, storylines that didn't involve, um, his representative, if you will, um, but we we start off uh really in terms of the in ring stuff, we are going to get Sheamus uh versus Riddle. But just before that happens, we get a bit of a bit of a weird sort of promo. Uh yet again Matt Riddle is on his scooter and he's going through uh backstage at the Thunderdome and he's, you know, sort of bumping into a couple of faces. And he bumps into Titus O'Neil and he doesn't quite understand the concept that Titus O'Neill is the co-host of WrestleMania. He seems to think he is the, the host of a roast, Um, which, again, I don't know if they're just letting Riddle roam free with this sort of stuff. There's a very, very interesting promo that happens later, but we'll come on to that <laughs> um, uh, as we get to it. But anyway, out of nowhere, we get Shameless absolutely pummel. Um, Matt Riddle and he just spears him against uh, one of the backstage boxes, um, knocking Matt Matt Riddle uh, into some pain and Sheamus turns around, looks over his shoulder and just says, I'll see you out there. And he walks out. Um, After the advert break, we get Sheamus's entrance and we get Matt Riddle's entrance. Matt Riddle um, at this point is not selling any part of the injury that I say injury or the the beatdown that Sheamus just given has just given him, um, and that was supposed to play a, a part in this. And I just thought Riddle would have been holding maybe his torso or something as he as he scooted down. Um, but this match really really impressed me. Um, this was a really really hard hitting match from start to finish. It's, it's quite a weird combination because obviously sheamus is an absolute brute uh we know matt riddle enjoys being the the more technical um the more technical wrestler in the ring and this but the the the, the, dyna, the dynamic itself actually worked incredibly well um there was a number of strikes that riddle was hitting and uh, sheamus was hitting that were being sold really really well Um, the pace of the match was 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 fairly fast bearing in mind it's not two not two guys you would expect to have the quickest match in the world and even when it had had slowed down you believed in the brutality that was going on in the match Um, we had a massive top rope german suplex from matt riddle during the during the match where he you know the, the classic one where they run up the run up the ropes, get on there as quick as they can and then perform the move. In this case, we had a, a, a top rope German suplex and it was really, really good. Um, both men sold it after it had happened, so it, it felt like a, a much bigger move than it was. Um, but it, it was really, really clever. Um, following on from this, again, the the strikes continued. We had Riddle get a, a triangle on Sheamus. And we got a spot that we normally see in most main event matches where... You know, the 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 power guy himself will lift someone up whilst in a submission and then powerbomb them into the floor. Um, and that's what we got. But this time, every time Sheamus would lift Matt Riddle up and powerbomb him in, into the mat, Matt Riddle would maintain uh, wrist control over Sheamus. And he was keeping the lock on. And it made it very, very... Um, very very intense, and you could really really feel and sell uh, and see the actual psychology they were trying to sell in this match. Um, and for me, that worked absolutely perfectly. I was believing in it, and I was hooked. I I thought the match was really good. Just after this, and we're we're getting these set you know these separate moves that I think are really really good. We got a white noise on the apron um, to Matt Riddle, and I don't know how how Matt Riddle lands on that part of the ring safely nor nor do I know how Seamus keeps Matt Riddle safe while he's performing the white noise it looked brutal as soon as he landed on the side of the ring it was a moment where we 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 wince at the tv it was really really hard hit and you heard it and you heard that thump um and it really was a impressive moment for the match um uh, once this had happened both men sort of began the strikes again And we got to a point where Matt Riddle's, Matt Riddle's head, this was the end of the match. Matt Riddle's head was just bent down a little bit. So Seamus went for a bro kick and Matt Riddle blocked it. And whilst the blocking sequence was happening, like I said, Matt Riddle's head was bent down a little bit. So Seamus, instead of a bro kick, he went for a, he went for a, a brogue knee, if that is a thing. And it, again, it looked brutal. Um, Really, really clever on how Sheamus has managed to adapt his finishing move um, based on where the opponent's head is at any given time. Um, I'm sure I've seen him do a variation of it somewhere along the line, but not with this sort of impact and this sort of sell as to how hard-hitting this move was. So he hits him with the brogue knee and uh, gets the pin, and Sheamus is uh, the victor. Just as Sheamus begins celebrating, um out of camera, Matt Riddle gets up and then comes at Sheamus from absolutely nowhere and takes him down. Um, therefore, Matt Riddle is not too pleased with the result and we're obviously going to get this feud to continue a little bit more. And I'm fine with that. If this Raw match was any sort of part of a teaser as to what we're going to get from Riddle and Sheamus, I'm all for it. Uh, it. It was hard-hitting. There were some big, big spots. And I'm sure if those two men are innovative enough to create those spots in that match, that we're going to get more of those spots at Mania as well. Um, on commentary, this is this is where I said that the beatdown backstage before Riddle came out, this is this is the part that wasn't really sold before the match enough for me. The commentators mentioned that Riddle wanted to get back as Sheamus for the beatdown afterwards. Uh, the beatdown before, sorry. So, I was like, well, that wasn't really referenced too much. And Matt Riddle didn't really sell it too much when he was arriving to the ring. So, let's say you missed that backstage segment, for example. You wouldn't have really known about Matt Riddle's intentions for knocking Seamus off the top rope at the end. Because, well, why would he? You know, it, 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 it there was no real feeder. Matt Riddle just should have sold it in some way as he came down the ramp. But... It is what it is. We move on. We're getting Riddle and Sheamus at Mania, and for me, that's that's a good thing. That's 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 a good match to have on that card. Shame for Sheamus, I suppose, in a certain way, because there was points where we thought he was going to face Drew at WrestleMania, um, and we thought Sheamus was going to get some sort of main event um, picture match. But it is what it is, and he's. It's you know, it's a good match, and I I I would like to see it again, and like to see what they could progress from from what they produced. Uh, on last night's Raw. Um, after this match, we get a brief uh, Shane McMahon sort of segment. Um, he is asked uh, immediately um, about what he is about to expose uh, about Braun Strowman. And it's very, very strange because he turns around and he just says it's very, very intriguing, something along those lines, Um and immediately we get Shane McMahon, Jackson Ryker and Elias in the ring. Now, this feud makes no sense whatsoever. It's just so, so strange. We'll, we'll go through this segment first and then I'll talk about exactly why this feud makes no sense. Shane McMahon pulls out a report card. Of Braun Strowman from when Braun Strowman was in fifth grade. I can already hear you sighing. Now, this feud is continuing to be built on Braun Strowman being perceived as stupid by Shane McMahon, and that's it. Um, they look at they look at Braun's um, grades from social studies. They look at Braun's grades from gym. Uh, I think there's literature is in there as well. And there's one more that I'm forgetting, but the point remains the same. They're all uh, D minuses or D or D pluses. um, And Shane then continues to read out some of the the, the reasonings of why Braun is not particularly strong in these fields in fifth grade. Um, Luckily, before Shane can really delve a little bit deeper into this report card, Uh, Braun Strowman's music hits and we are looked back at the ring and we have got a dancing Shane McMahon flanked by Riker and Elias. Uh, Shane looking all fired up as Braun Strowman starts to come down the aisle. Now, why oh why they feel the need to do this in this feud is ridiculous. I, for one... um, one of the few who watched WWE when Shane McMahon was wrestling the Big Show, when Shane McMahon was wrestling the, the, the newly unmasked Kane, who was a monster at the time. Having Shane against someone of a, of a larger nature, of a, of a very, very tall, beefy sort of superstar, power-hitting superstar, um, it has worked in the past. Obviously, in both of those feuds, like I mentioned in Big Show and Kane, Shane was the face in this situation. With Braun Strowman now, he is a heel. And, I mean, we've seen some some fairly rough promos from Shane McMahon The build up to this match. And I, I don't really think it's going to work. It doesn't need to be overcomplicated with this sort of stuff. It's It's big man versus little man. Let's just have them brawl and get into some sort of fight and get some power moves across roars just to build things up just like we did when Shane took on Big Show and Shane took on Kane that is all you need in these sort of setups for these big matches I'm I know Shane McMahon gets a a fair amount of heat but I think Shane McMahon is he well I will watch Shane McMahon matches I do he's not a fantastic wrestler he seems to only go into these sort of feuds for himself, but for the most parts, his matches are entertaining to a certain certain extent because you know that Shane is going to do something stupid at some point. He's going to jump off something high, or you know potentially really really injure himself and his opponent. And they are amazing. My God, spots and you know instantly to mind being the the, the super superplex. Uh, against Miz at WrestleMania 35. Those those moments you still think about. And we're going to get a moment like that with Braun Strowman. Um, <clears throat> immediately after that, we uh, we have Elias and Shane at ringside. And it is Braun versus Jackson Riker. Um And from the off, we get, as expected, we get the Elias and Shane shenanigans, if you will. They are both on the apron trying to put uh, Braun off. Um and this match overall didn't last very long. It was a squash match to make Braun look like an absolute monster in the build-up to to his match of shame. Excuse me, um, but it's just I don't really see the need for it anymore. Um, there was a a brief moment in the match where Riker was uh, he was going for Braun's leg. And he was aiming there for some for some more some more ground tackle sort of offense, which which makes sense. That's that's what the a smaller guy does against the larger guy in the ring. Um, Riker went up for what I can only assume was a double axe handle off the top rope, and there was a little bit of a breakdown of communication between him and Braun because Jackson jumped and practically landed on, on his his feet. He wasn't blocked by Braun. He didn't really connect with Braun it was I think it was supposed to be sold in a different nature but I think like I said there was a lack of communication between both of them um we then uh sort of broke down and we got both men outside the ring and Braun signaled for his running uh his running tackle that he does when he you know he runs around uh two fourths of the ring um to then absolutely go through someone with a huge shoulder tackle um we saw this last week and it happened again this week, there is now a, a, a sort of train noise <laughs> whenever Braun signals for it, um, which is, ju- uh, it's silly, but it's so, so funny, it's absolutely brilliant just to watch him do that, and then as he goes for the collide, it's like a train hitting someone, and it it, it really made me laugh, It it's dumb, it's silly, but I was giggling and I couldn't stop giggling because it, it was just a genuinely funny moment. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, imagine any other wrestler signalling for their own bit of music before they then hit a move of theirs. It it's just it it's just hilarious. But it, for some reason, it works, and he's the only person that I think it would work with at the moment. Um, but moving on. Um, Braun hits a running power slam on Riker And in doing so doesn't take his eyes off Shane McMahon Um, He gets the 1-2-3 There is a slight possibility that they're going to go for a beatdown But Braun manages to to scare all three men off Um, And while Shane is on the top of the ramp Braun grabs a microphone And he announces to Shane the match that he has chosen um, for their Wrestlemania match now going into this I thought that we were going to get some sort of no holds barred or a street fight of some sort because it makes sense that at Raymond James Stadium there is a pirate ship we have talked about for almost two years now how someone is going to do something on the pirate ship and well, it's there, why wouldn't you do it? Um, And in the build-up to this, a lot of us thought it was going to be Shane maybe jumping off of the pirate ship in some form or another. But the stipulation that Braun chose for their match at Mania is a steel cage match, which, okay, that's, that's, that's okay with me, but it means that I, I I don't really know how Shane gets too creative inside a steel cage. Does it like that? And we've seen a number of uh, big moves now happen off of the top of cages that I didn't think that's what Shane would go for. Shane normally goes for a more uh, unique sort of move that doesn't really come across too much. Um, but yeah, it it is what it is, and we're getting Roman. Uh, we're getting Roman. We're getting Braun versus Shane in a steel cage at Mania. I don't think someone will probably correct me for this, but I don't think we've seen a cage match at WrestleMania for a long, long time now. The last one I can only think of that comes to mind is Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy. Other than that, I got nothing. Um, it's it's a it's a strange stipulation for WrestleMania, but I'm I'm in favor of it. I'm interested to see what they can do. Um, I'd imagine at some point, Braun is gonna bust the side of the steel cage and he might go after either Elias or Jackson Ryker or maybe he might end up throwing uh maybe Shane through one of the steel cage panels but again I'm speculating uh we'll only have to see what happens from this point on um but like I said the build-up to this match is is done it's 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 not what you would have expected um I think Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon can both offer WWE something, but if you were to tell me that they were going to be wrestling each other at WrestleMania, I would have thought there would have been some more intriguing pieces in the buildup to, to their match at WrestleMania rather than what has actually transpired. Um, and as to why Jackson Riker and Elias are there, I have absolutely no idea because it's not really been explained to us why they are friends with Shane McMahon. Um, But anyway, we digress. We carry on with the show. Um, Next, we have the Miz and Morrison dirt sheet. Um, Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. Firstly, we have uh, the Miz and Morrison basically uh, announcing uh, their new music video that is a diss track towards Bad Bunny, who is obviously the Miz's opponent at WrestleMania. Um, they go, go, they go a long time explaining, um, why they've done it, who they're doing it on, etc. And they run down a number of achievements that Bad Bunny uh, got nominated for, but didn't actually win. Um, and they, you know, this is a big part of their promo. It carries on for a while and yeah, okay. It was some sort of low balling, um, lowballing banter, if you will. Um, but it, it you know, it just didn't really hit for me, uh, to be quite honest. Um, we actually then get their brand new music video, which is Hey Hey, Hop Hop, going from uh, the previous music video that Miz and Morrison released. Now, this, I thought this might be a maybe a, a 30 to 40 second music video like just a snippet of it and they could have told us to go watch it online somewhere oh no we got the entire music video this entire diss track of uh, that they've performed on Bad Bunny and Damien Priest um, this is stupid but I just couldn't stop laughing whilst I was watching it uh, it was just every time like the little lines and the little feeders in there was just making me laugh so much. Um one of Miz's lines in the actual uh, <laughs> song itself was um Nickelback rocks harder than Damien Priest, which which got me a little bit and they threw in a number of different sort of Spanish phrases, if you will. Not even Spanish phrases, but just phrases that sounded um, or rhymed with a certain other aspect and one of them was Hakuna Matata from <laughs> it was Hakuna Matata and I have no idea um, just how silly they must have got with this script but they they went there and yeah it again it's goofy it's it's silly but if I'm smiling and I I don't know who Bad Bunny is, I don't really care for the music video, I think, is this the point, I suppose? That's, that's the entire point of it. Also, I hate so much that the damn song is catchy. <laughs> um, the longer it went on, I found myself just sort of humming along to the chorus. And that is, I think, exactly what they aim to do. It's one of those annoying songs that's just gonna get in your head for a little while. Um, And they achieved that. If that's what they were going for, they achieved that. Um, Once uh, the music video is over, we have um, Damien Priest and Bad Bunny come down the ramp. Now, um, not much is really said here. Uh, We just sort of get Bad Bunny um, calling Miz a... Female dog, if that make if if I'm not I'm not going to swear on this podcast, but you can pretty much get what I mean. Um, and Damien Priest translates it for him. Um, it's not really too entertaining, if I'm honest. But all four men get a little bit fired up. Um, Miz and Morrison leave the ring, and they start to step up to Damien and Bad Bunny, which is fine. Um, but the main moment that we got in this actual segment um miz looks damien priest in the eyes and damien priest is standing in between bad bunny and the miz and the miz says let me get to him and damien priest says he doesn't need my help you can have you can have him damien priest steps aside and as he does the miz steps towards bad bunny and it genuinely looked like bad bunny potatoed the miz it it was a he threw a right hand at Miz and I swear on I swear to God it hit him, and I obviously I don't think he was full closed fist but he definitely caught the Miz, um, they showed it on a number of replays and there is definite connection, um again if Bad Bunny managed to open his fist a little bit then obviously it would have just been his fingers that caught the Miz but. At the time, it was a pretty good right hand. And when I first saw it, I did think, did he just catch him? Did He he genuinely just right-handed the Miz there, didn't he? Um, and so, again, I, I suppose that part was actually hit. You know, they wanted a a good right hand from Bad Bunny. He's not a trained wrestler. So any sort of moment they can... Get him to do a a move that is simple. I suppose they can make it look believable to a certain extent. And to me, when I saw it, it was a decent right hand. It wasn't bad. Um, But, yeah, we're getting this match at Mania. Um, It's not for me, personally. I don't know who Bad Bunny is. Um, And seeing uh, Miz's fall from being WWE champion a matter of weeks ago is... Oof. That's that's some come down there, but it is what it is, and they're going to mania, and we're obviously going to get a number of shenanigans by both Dam- uh, both Damian Priest and John Morrison at ringside. But <laughs> let's just see where this goes. It's it it's there to bring a certain population in, and WWE want those ratings from those areas, and you know there's nothing wrong with that would I have done it on my biggest pay-per-view probably not but that is where we're going with it now and we're not going to be deeming to go anywhere else with it um so anyway this this segment actually breaks down um and the next we are greeted with uh, Randy Orton backstage um not much to this one he just sort of compares uh the fiend to other uh, wrestlers and legends that he's faced over the years, um, and that's you know that's okay. Um, he says that the Fiend compares to none of uh, Ric Flair, uh, John Cena. He 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 reels off a whole list of legends that he's he's gone against before, uh, and he says that he is he's never quite faced anyone quite like the Fiend. Uh, he fought that when he lit that match uh, three months ago, that that was it the fiend was over and he is tired of playing alexa's games and yeah there's not much progression left with randy orton promos about the fiend so it it was kind of a good thing it didn't go on too much um but we know at some point we're now going to get alexa's playground as you will and i'm sure she's now going to explain to us uh what on earth is going on with the fiend are we going to get a funhouse match with Randy and the Fiend at Mania. We 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 just don't know. Um, next, we get uh, the return of the Almighty. Uh, Bobby Lashley comes out. Um, it was just a little side note here. Um, as Bobby came out. Uh, he did trip up during his entrance, which did get me a little bit. As he came out of the curtain, he uh, tripped up just a little bit on his right foot and he gave it the old look back at the flat floor just to make sure he hadn't fallen over anything that was obvious, um, obviously blaming the uh, the unsteady floor <laughs> that was just non-existent. Um, they, I, I didn't quite understand this. They announced this as a two-on-one, which... I presumed, was Bobby versus Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin uh, in a handicap match, just like Drew did the week before. I thought they were going to just, you know, copy that sort of format again. But no, um, Shelton Benjamin and uh, Cedric Alexander both came out together and it's only Shelton in his ring gear. Cedric is still in his uh, Hurt Business suit. And yeah, they... Both entered the ring, and this match got pretty fired up, pretty fast. Um, there's a lot of bits and pieces that go with this. Uh, we, you know, Lashley was often uh, his his attention was often drawn to Cedric outside of the ring, um, but he just looked to just brutalise Shelton wherever he could and just make an example out of him. A um, little bit of a side note: Lashley, uh, uh, towards the end, he scares Cedric Alexander off. Uh, up towards the end of the ramp and as Lashley is looking back he's just making sure that Cedric isn't going to return back to ringside. Lashley gets back into the ring and Shelton hits his finisher on Bobby and at one point I thought no way. Like is the demise of the Hurt business is that going to mean that Shelton Benjamin is now going to pin the WWE champion? Thankfully, uh Bobby Lashley kicked out. Um and they sell it on commentary as to how much of a big deal this is, because Bobby Lashley did just survive um Shelton Benjamin's finisher. He kicked out at two, and yeah, it was it was okay. Um after this, we get a number of different power moves from Lashley. Lashley on the recovery now and on the build-up to to get back to where he uh, was before this match ended. Um he hits Shelton Benjamin with a one-arm spine buster. Just as as a point here, Bobby Lashley's one arm spine buster is fantastic. I don't know how he manages to to show that much power and have that much control over another human being with just one limb. Obviously, you know he's got his other arm sort of holding the the bottom part of Shelton Benjamin's leg at the time, but he then does spine buster. Um, he then does spine his opponent into the ring with just the one arm, which is incredibly impressive when you consider that Shelton Benjamin is not the, the smallest of men. Um, with all that muscle mass, he's got to be a, a, fairly, a fairly big dude. Um, uh, he hits him again with another one arm spine-buster, and Bobby Lashley then uh, locks in the hurt lock uh, for the win. Uh, it, it it was okay. I understand that we've got to make Bobby Lashley look brutal here in his run-up to, to Drew. But I just feel that Bobby Lashley deserves a more impactful finisher than a hurt lock. For those of you who've not seen what the hurt lock is, it's, it's the master lock that Chris Masters used to do. Um, and I don't know why people pass out from it either because there is no sort of choke hold. They're just straining your shoulders um, past the point where it's Obviously uncomfortable, but is it, is it the pain that knocks you out, or is it just? I I've, I have no idea. Um, but for me, I don't think that it, it's it's a good heel finisher, I suppose. But I used to like. I, I haven't. We haven't seen it since he's come back. But I used to like Bobby Lashley's Dominator that he used to do um back in the ruthless aggression era i thought that was an absolutely immense finishing move um it looked good when he when he hit it on the on the bigger guys if you will it looked fantastic and drew hitting a dominator drew bobby hitting a dominator on drew would look just absolutely fantastic fingers crossed maybe he's saving it for mania but for me the Hurt Lock just doesn't do it as a finisher for me um but like i said Shelton passes out in the Hurt Lock and Bobby wins this match. Um it, it seems like that that is it is genuinely it. The Hurt business has dissolved. Um a fantastic faction over the past go on now a good few months now, um, where they have been booked strong. They've had a number of championships, I think they've had the tag titles, the uh, Bobby's had the US, and now Bobby stands alone, um, being the only title holder left with the WWE. Um yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame that it's all gone to pot for him just before Mania comes around the corner because it would have been nice for that entrance because all four men work so hard and now we're only going to get Bobby to walk down there um, at Mania, which, okay, look, okay, Bobby is WWE champion. Bobby deserves that individual moment, but it would have been nice to have that faction of those four men who have really, really helped Monday Night Raw... During this period, to to have that reward themselves as they went down that aisle, and they're not going to get it, and that's that's that that's a shame. It is a shame. Um, I don't know whether they're going to get involved in this feud much further because, I mean, we're very very close now. There's not much left to to book in here, um, and it's a shame because, like I said, they've done so much and done so well that it would be an incredible shame for. Cedric and Shelton to not get anything from from this this way of booking this, this faction I should say that they, they they just deserve a little bit more um, and it's a shame that they've broken up so so close to Mania. Um, next we get a backstage segment with the New Day and AJ and Omos or Amos or however you're supposed to say it. I'm ter- I'm terribly sorry. Um, New Day. Tell AJ that they are going to do a game night with um uh, taking them on in partnership so it will be Xavier and Kofi against AJ and Omos. Now last week um when they were trying to do like the marriage game sort of system, that was relatively funny. Um I liked it. Um when I watched it I was it, it's cheap comedy, I know that, but you know, the way the new day overhype things it made things you know worth it and it the way they overhype it sort of drew you in a little bit more and just made you laugh um this time we get a similar thing where both pairs are going to play charades and both play both both pairs are going to play um what's it uh draw something then name it but you know it was again cheap comedy but it was quite a funny little segment i think the dynamic between all four men works quite well you've got xavier and kofi sat there just over hyping everything um you know even when they get a question right themselves um and when you get aj trying to do everything he can to just get a word out of Omos, it is it is genuinely quite funny to see aj play this sort of character again um because he's trying so hard to just provoke some sort of emotion from omos um it really 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 did make me laugh during the segment um and also omos's face during the segment he just <laughs> he just couldn't care less um it it was funny but again it's all just little little cheap comedy bits in the build up to to their tag team title match at mania um Obviously, this leads into Xavier Woods versus AJ Styles. Um, this was a decent match. Um, both men, similar size, you know, both both very, very quick and both can be very, very technical when they want to. Um, before this match even took place, I was excited to see what this match looked like because AJ Styles and Xavier Woods, like I said, they're, they're similar styles, but their styles would sort of gel together quite well and and it did for the most part um, obviously we had a number of almost protecting AJ Styles moments which was is always going to happen but um, the main purpose of this match was not actually Xavier Woods or Kofi King or, or Xavier sorry I'll start again, the main purpose of this match was not with Xavier Woods or AJ Styles the main purpose of this match and you could tell because commentary were mentioning it every five seconds. The purpose of this match was to hype up Omos's in-ring debut at WrestleMania. And that was mentioned on commentary a number of times. The camera lingered on Omos a couple of times. And you could tell that this is what they're going for. They want to see... Omos perform, they want to give us little teasers and they want this to be a genuinely big moment when Omos gets in the ring and shows us what he can do. For one, I'm I'm very curious as to what Omos can do. Um <clears throat> I'm interested to see what his finisher is, what how you know, how can he adapt with someone else um in that proper wrestling match environment, not just the big spots that happen outside the ring. How can he re when you know it, is there any speed to him? Can he do anything at pace or anything like that? Is you know, I was asking myself the same questions when Braun Strowman first came into WWE because he came into WWE, number one, he was a lot heavier than he is now, um, but he was just this giant brute that came in as a member of the Wyatt family. And the first time I saw him, I was asking, okay, what can he do? Like, can he get over? If he If he's just there to be a tree, I'm not really going to get behind it. But... Um, Omos is being sort of presented in a similar sort of way, he's just having a lot more focus than Braun Strowman ever did um, when Braun was the fourth member of the Wyatt family um, but like I said the, Omos was the main focus here and straight, uh, oh, straight away, towards the end of the match we get some Omos involvement that sort of tells you what is going to happen here so we get a DQ finish because Omos chucks uh Xavier over the top rope in back into the ring. Um so obviously he lays hands on, he's laid his hands on an opponent so that is a, immediately a disqualification. And after that he Kofi goes for a jump onto Omos and almost catches him and then just presses Kofi Kingston with absolute ease. Um He starts walking towards the barricade and then he just dumps Kofi Kingston straight into the Superdome LED boards. And yeah, it it was it was pretty impressive. Obviously, they had had the camera at a certain angle, so we couldn't see Kofi's landing, obviously landing onto a crash mat of some sort. Um, But yeah, we got a first little for me, the first real bit of physicality from Omos uh, in this segment. And Omos then got in the ring and continued to show some more, some some more physical physical moments. Um, he done like a, a running, like a running uh, shoulder tackle into the corner. Um, AJ then grabbed uh, Xavier's head, and uh, AJ we just went give it to him, and he launches <clears throat> he launches Xavier Woods into Omos, and Omos hits him with a double hand chokeslam. slam. Um, is that Omos' finishing move? Possibly um you know there's probably as to what he can do the limitations are fairly on omos right now um but yeah a double hand choke slam seems to be possibly what his finisher is going to be um and and you know let, let let's just see let's see when it gets to mania when it's new day aj and omos for the for the Raw Tag Titles. Let's just see where it goes. Because I do think that AJ and I are going to win the Tag Team Titles. Um, I think that's... If not, what is the purpose of this? Because <clears throat> at this point, the New Day don't need it. They haven't needed it for a while. They are a, just a solid, consistent, fantastic Tag Team. That can come in and out of the Tag Team Title picture whenever they want. Because they're entertaining on screen. Whether they've got the titles or not. Um, so... Yeah, let's just see where this goes. Um, and in terms of promoting OMOS, this feud is definitely doing that, and that can only be a good thing. Um, <clears throat> I just uh, wanted to note this as a bit of a bit of a side note. Um, obviously, with it being so close to WrestleMania, um, we have been seeing a lot of video packages from WrestleManias before, and they're just sort of showcasing some of the WrestleMania main events we've had. Daniel Bryan won. Both of those titles, seven years ago at WrestleMania 30. Seven years ago. Oh, crikey. Um, Seven years ago for that WrestleMania seems so, so far away. It seems so, so vivid in my memory that I just can't believe it. Uh, When As soon as I saw it and I said it was seven years ago now, it was just absolutely amazing Um, to see where or where... Where WWE have gone and where they haven't gone since then is pretty staggering to be to be quite frank. Um, but anyway, moving past that, back onto Raw, um, we get uh, Alexa's playground next, which is Alexa, you know, sitting on a swing with her little Jack in the Box, um, which obviously has a little little fiend inside of it. Um, she talks about the fiend um, and how he died. To rant, you know how he was killed by Randy Orton, um, three months ago, and she sort of says a lot of you know cryptic messaging about demon, uh, demons and stuff. Um, like I said, there's there's not much more they can do to progress these bits and pieces. Um, but the one line that I did take from Alexa is that she said at WrestleMania, the Legend Killer, dies. Now that was a well a good line but an intriguing line because what on earth does that mean? Does it mean, you know, we hear in main event matches that oh, I'm going to end your career and all this sort of stuff. They just say it as a as a as a impactful line. <laughs> but this is a feud where someone has actually been burned alive, a fireball has been shot at their face. We're now seeing a burned-up fiend pop up out of the, the <laughs> out of the ring canvas. Nothing is impossible with this Alexa Bray and Randy feud. So, what did Alexa mean by Mania? The Legend Killer dies. I have no idea what they're gonna gonna do here. My only one big takeaway from this is why is this not a Firefly Funhouse match? I I will not understand it. It. The Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena last year was just absolutely fantastic. I must have gone back and watched it an ungodly amount of times now. But Randy Orton is one of the few people that you can do a Firefly Funhouse match with because just like John Cena, Randy Orton has got a huge WWE career to delve into. Um, There have been a number of different uh, egos to Randy Orton that they could pick up on, um, whether that be his evolution character, whether it be his sort of his cowboy Bob Orton, um, well, cowboy Bob Orton's son Randy, uh, the Legend Killer Randy, whatever the Viper, except The, the list goes on and on and on. Um, <clears throat> but this could have been another Firefly Funhouse match where they could have really told a, a really really fantastic story. I get. The story was told with John because John is not not a full-time roster member, therefore meaning that when John disappears in the funhouse, John can be off TV for God knows that, or in this case, he's been gone a whole year. Randy is obviously still a full-time wrestler, so maybe that's their reasoning for not doing this inside a funhouse match, but... I just think it was there. And I know the people. The reasoning that people are coming out with is that they're not going to get a Firefly, a Firefly Funhouse match. They're not going to make those that are in Raymond James Stadium at WrestleMania, they are not going to make them sit there and watch a screen for, for 20 minutes or however long. But I, I feel like maybe that would have been a good change-up with WrestleMania being so long and so, I don't know, so... <clears throat> boring in certain aspects because it is so much not because the matches are boring or the 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 actual competitors are boring it's just because it's match after match after match and it has been overbooked especially um you know 35 34 33 those that they were the WrestleManias were too long I know now we've got two nights so therefore they're going to be shorter but I still think they could have had that firefly funhouse match there and it kills me uh, that it isn't um anyway back to raw um we go backstage again and we have got drew um who is still searching for whoever's gonna uh, take him out tonight and accept bobby's deal um little this was quite an interesting little segment because he walked into the locker room which we don't often see too much um He walks into the WWE locker room and he calls out everybody in there. And he says, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? He looks towards Braun. He says, what about you, big man? Braun, look at me. And Braun teases that once he's done with Shane McMahon, he will be setting his targets for Drew. Should Drew win uh, at WrestleMania? Um, And then he keeps wandering around. Uh, We see Angel Garza, who (laughs) it's nice to see that he's still there. Um, because, yeah, he's just been, he's been gone for such a long time, what it feels now. Um, but uh, he turns around and we get a brief Matt Riddle bit. Um, and Riddle says that he's a bit stuffed, I think is the word he says. Um, and whilst this altercation is happening, uh, Angel Garza decides to start beating down on Drew from behind. And Drew instantly turns around and gets his own back on Angel Garza before throwing him into... Um, some sort of sofa that was in the in the back of the locker room, and you don't see you know you don't see Angel Garza again. Um, Drew still fired up; he's got his arms out aloft, sort of saying like, "Who's next? Who's coming after me next?" Then, and he waits and he waits and he waits. Drew Gulak comes out of what I can only assume is the showers in the locker room. He's in his full gear though, um, and he sort of cocks his right hand back, but never really does it. And Drew says, uh, "Drew says, Go on then Gulak, I dare you.'" Um, And Gulak doesn't, so Drew just headbutts him, which which I thought was um, (coughs) a funny little segment. After he headbutts Gulak, he looks towards a sat-down Ricochet. And I was intrigued by this, because Ricochet obviously has not had the best year in WWE this year. He's obviously, from what we're hearing not really in favour with writers, producers, or most importantly Vince McMahon. And they looked at each other and they we we got a bit of a main event moment between Ricochet and Drew. Um so Ricochet said to Drew, You know me? He goes, if you want to fight, let's go. So the main event <clears throat> is made later on in the night for Drew McIntyre versus Ricochet. Uh and I was in, I was interested in that. It gives something it gives Ricochet something to to do. Um oh, how my hopes would be dashed towards the end. But we'll get there when we get to the main event itself. Um, we're back in the ring and we are greeted with Naya and Shayna's theme song. Uh, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke uh, have joined commentary whilst the Drew segment was going on. And we have Shayna Baszler versus Naomi uh, with... Nia Jax and Lana um, at ringside Uh, Nia Jax and uh, Reginald of course uh, who is still involved with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler Um, so anyway we get Shayna versus Naomi (sighs) this match doesn't really last too long it is mainly a fair bit of Shayna going after Naomi's arm Um, not really much to take from this because this match inside about 2 or 3 minutes just turned into carnage um with all women involved around the ring were just going at each other and just sort of trying to stand tall at the end of it with all this happening um Shayna's trying to sort out what's going on outside the ring Naomi manages to get a roll up on Naomi and Naomi pins Shayna Baszler um i I'm pretty sure a singles win doesn't give you or doesn't give you access to a, a WWE women's tag team title match but they might go with that with one more raw before wrestlemania i'm not too sure my ultimate guess is that i reckon we're going to get um we're going to get some sort of multi women's tag team match for the tag team titles um it could be a triple threat they might chuck another one in there but it looks like it's going to be Shayna Shayna and Nia versus Naomi and Lana versus uh, Mandy Rose and Uh, Dana Brooke that's that's where it seems to be heading at the moment Um, especially because Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke were referencing it on commentary Um, but like I said this was a short segment and it was very very strange Um, and it's not really sure uh, it doesn't seem too sure on where it's going to really end up at Wrestlemania Um, but I would you know you would guess that in some form or another we are going to get the tag the women's tag titles uh, on the card at Mania Um, but one of the things they haven't locked in yet, so we can't really take much from it. Um, (laughs) Now, the next part is probably the strangest part of Monday Night Raw, if not one of the strangest parts ever on Monday Night Raw that I have ever seen. Um, We have another Matt Riddle backstage segment. Now, as I referenced to before, he bumped into Titus O'Neill and he sort of referenced that Titus O'Neil was the uh, the the host of the roast of something, and that sort of led. I, I don't know if they're just trying to play Matt Riddle off as a as a dumb character or something that he's a bit stupid, um, but <laughs> he bumps into Asuka. and they start talking about that he's got his scooter back, and Asker obviously when she just she, you know she her her english is minimal uh, well definitely minimal on wwe tv um so she's just making her noises and stuff like that and matt riddle says would they do you think they like these scooters in japan and i think i think everyone joined me at this point when everyone just got very wide eyed as soon as he said this Asuka replies with yes matt riddle then puts the <laughs> puts the scooter back down he goes on to try and say something <clears throat> he then looks towards the cameraman and goes i'm sorry i forgot what i was saying and then just wanders out of shot <laughs> i don't know if this was scripted i don't know if this was a genuine error from Matt Riddle, because he screwed up, and it was a bit of a touchy subject with him i i, I don't really know going after the Japanese public or something <laughs> would they like scooters in japan it's a strange line i've never seen i've never heard anything like it before um but it it seemed like a genuine mistake to me because, like I said, Matt riddle looked in the direction of the not necessarily the camera lens, but he looked above the camera lens like he was looking at. Um, the guy holding it behind the camera, and he just says, oh, I, "I forgot what I was saying," and then scoots off out of picture. It was very strange. It, it then poor old Asuka, bless her. The camera then pans to her and zooms in on her a little bit. And you know, fair play to Asuka. She just she just laughed it off and and carried on walking um, because it was her contract signing with Rhea Ripley next. But what on earth was that? I'm sure we're going to hear more. Um, over the next coming days, if that was a planned promo or if Matt Riddle genuinely made an error, uh, on live TV. Um, it was, it was, it was very, very strange. And I could not stop laughing f- during it. Cause I just didn't know what had happened. Um, but anyway, let's, let's move on from that weird, weird, weird moment. Um, we get the Asuka and Rhea Ripley, uh, contract signing for mania. Um, I always find these moments with Asuka fairly tough because you can't really get what you want from Aska. She doesn't need to talk, but yet they make her talk so much that when she comes out with these noises, it okay, it's funny to a certain extent, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, what's what's going on? Um, <clears throat> especially when you've got Asuka, who is just one of the baddest women on the planet, and you've got Rhea Ripley, who is, well, I mean, her goddamn theme song is called Brutality. For goodness' sake, she is, she's a monster, and she is the the for me, she is the future of WWE. Um, obviously, this has been rushed due to the the Charlotte Flair stuff, um, but this would have been so much better with more time. But like I said, I'm not gonna, <clears throat> I'm not gonna sit here and judge that because of the Charlotte stuff, there's a lot that's happened and they've had to get something and squeeze something out. Um, but anyway, we get, we get both of them face-to-face in the ring, um, either side of the desk with Adam Pearce in between. Um, Rhea uh, just reaffirms people that Asuka is the current women's champion, but she won't be after WrestleMania. And that was a good line. That was that 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 sounded good from Rhea for me. Um, I liked that. I liked where she was going with that. Um, but just be, we didn't. Well, the contract was signed and there wasn't really much said because Asuka breaks into a promo um, about Rhea not being ready for Asuka, and I was just getting into it. I thought, okay, right. They're actually going to let Asuka talk here and really get us built up for this match. And just as it was happening, (coughs) Rhea loses patience with her and just launches the the desk in the middle. Um, She launches it and flips it up towards Asuka and it catches Asuka on the head and Asuka sells it like she's been hit with an absolute boulder. Um, Just before it gets any further, and this is where this segment goes downhill, we we hear uh, Nia Jax's theme song. At this point... I already had my head in my hands Because We have already had One women's main event Sasha and Bianca Be built about being a tag team I knew where this was going As soon as Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler came out So Nia Jax comes out And she starts saying that If anyone can just go after a WWE Women's uh, Raw Women's Championship match Then that sounds fairly fairly simple and straightforward, so why shouldn't she get one? Um, they go on to, uh, to offer Asuka and Rhea a chance to go in a, into a tag team match with them next week on Raw. And the famous line that Byron Saxton actually said it again he said, Can Rhea and Asuka actually coexist? And at that point, I was like, oh, my God, they're doing the same booking that they've booked with Sasha and Bianca. We've just got away from the Sasha and Bianca stuff where they were putting them in tag team matches. And now they're going to go and do it with the other women's main event. And I was furious with this. It doesn't need to happen. Asuka versus Rhea Ripley should be able to sell itself. You don't need to put them into some tag team match so you can watch them uh, join together in stages and then ultimately implode towards the end of the match. It does not work. Especially when that will be your go-home roar on Monday. That will be your go-home raw from to WrestleMania. And that is a mistake. There's been no real altercation between Rhea and Asuka. And the one time we did, they they cut it short and they ended it by announcing there's going to be a tag match next week. And that, for me, is... Oh, it's just ruining the, the the women's main events. It it's tarnished Sasha versus Bianca. Luckily, it seems to be over, so <clears throat> the so Sasha and Bianca can really push on. But it just doesn't need to happen with Asuka and Rhea. And I don't think this would have happened. It, like if 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 the main event if the women's main event was still Asuka Asuka versus Charlotte. This wouldn't have happened. There would be no Nia or Shana interference. So why are you doing it for Asuka versus Rhea? It makes no sense to me, and I think it's a it's a it's a huge shame that it's happened. Um, but look, I'm going to move past it anyway because we're getting it next week. There's nothing more I can say about it. It's happening. Um, our main event <clears throat> of this evening is Drew McIntyre versus Ricochet, and like I said, I liked this when it ha- when it was going to happen and unfortunately it didn't last anywhere near as long as i wanted it to there was a lot more convoluted booking in this remaining part of the main event <sighs> that just sort of didn't really help anyone involved um and well you'll see why so um we get both drew and ricochet's entrances Um the match starts again with just an immediate fast pace Um they both start absolutely clubbing each other um, they're both going for some, some, you know, some high octane moves straight off the bat. Um, after that, obviously, Drew, uh, Ricochet is a lot lighter than Drew, so we get the classic spot of the big man throwing around the little man, um, and Ricochet is launched across the ring several, several times. Um, it breaks down a little bit during the match, and they get outside the ring. Um, Drew goes to Irish Whip Ricochet into the steel steps. Uh, Ricochet reverses this very cleverly. To be fair, he takes one he puts one foot onto the steel steps, and then he leaps off of one foot and lands onto the uh, black barricade around the edge uh, he 's got his back towards drew, and as drew then comes towards him, uh, ricochet hits a drop kick off of the barrier. I thought it was a quite a clever spot it was a It was a really clever spot it was a it, again showing the movement that ricochet can do and um, you know going from one location to another. You know, he, he 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 makes those moments look so clean, and I don't know why he isn't used more um, for spots like that. I'm not saying push Ricochet to the to the moon as a main eventer or whatnot. I'm not saying that. he's, he's that's that's I'm asking too much there, but just keep him involved and keep him doing bits and pieces like he did. But before I could really get excited, he rolls Drew back into the ring um, after hitting this drop kick off the barricade that I mentioned. He goes for his uh, 6.30, he misses it and Drew instantly claymores him and Drew gets the 1-2-3 and the victory. Um, It was about three minutes, three minutes long, uh, which I thought what you could have done with that, you could have still made Drew look very, very convincing, but you could have helped Ricochet as well. You gave Ricochet one spot, really, that was what it was. That, the hop-to-hop, um, off the barricade into a drop kick was the only spot he got, and that is, that's a that, you know that's a shame because Ricochet is capable of a lot more, um, but I know they're just they are ramping up Drew McIntyre um, in time for us to all get behind him again for this WrestleMania main event, which makes sense. I just wish it wasn't Ricochet being put in, you know, being fed to to Drew McIntyre um, before Drew can even celebrate. Um, Mustafa Ali storms the ring um, and instantly starts working over Drew's knee. Um, we get a back-to-back match here. Essentially, this this we came back from an ad, an advert break and they were in a match. <clears throat> um, Mustafa Ali just constantly working over Drew's knee. Um, he does a, a frog splash onto Drew's sing, uh, single leg, which was quite a quite a quite a decent move. I thought that was quite clever. You don't see that too much when someone's aiming for a, for a limb. Um and you know it was it was sort of going places. Um But you know we see Drew struggle for a little while Drew survives this sort of this this little period here um and just out of nowhere Drew gets the Drew gets the claymore and Drew picks up another win. Uh, again, only about a three-minute match. The guy's got two victories in six minutes. Um Before the show closes out. Drew, you can see him walk towards like, the timekeeper's area and he says straight away, like, give me a microphone, give me a microphone. Um, Drew gets the microphone and he instantly uh, calls out Bobby Lashley. Um, Bobby Lashley answers this call. He starts uh, walking down the ramp slowly. Um, MVP, obviously still on commentary at this time. MVP is confused. He says, what are you doing, champ? Um, I, I, don't, I think MVP's just sort of selling that he doesn't want his representative to be involved in any physical altercation before Mania, um, which is good logic, I suppose. Um, Bobby gets into the ring, and this, this brings up a, a, a side note for me, really. In the very first segment of Raw, Bobby slipped up on the word title. He called it a ta- tattle. I, th- I think he got stuck between wanting to say championship or title, and it came out with title, and it was really weird, so he slipped up there, and in this one, he slipped up again by, he said that what you do do, do to me at, what I did to, to you at Elimination Chamber, and I don't know, I don't know if it, maybe, maybe I misheard, but it just seems like Bobby is just not, the, he, he's not a great promo guy, um, I don't think he needs to talk too much, but he is only going to get better in in more main event promos that he does and you know, i i totally get that um but yeah i just can't buy bobby on the microphone at the minute that's all um but they stand face to face they give it the old you know the beat down i gave you at elimination chamber will be nothing compared to what i give to you at, at wrestlemania etc. and they get quite you know hot-headed and steamy and stuff like that with each other and this is the part where you find out who Bobby Lashley has replaced Cedric and Alex Cedric and uh Shelton Benjamin with um a beatdown happens we start with Bobby and Bobby and Drew start beating each other down and out of nowhere we get King Corbin now I for one quite I don't mind King Corbin I don't I don't think he needs to be in this at all. And I I mean, it now means that we're going to get King Corbin joining Bobby Lashley. Maybe at Mania, maybe it will be Corbin versus Drew next week on Raw. But they've broken up the Hurt Business. So King Corbin can take his place, uh, can take Shelton and Cedric Alexander's place, which just seems unnecessary to be quite honest um but anyway they that bobby and baron just uh demolished drew um and the show ends with bobby standing tall after drew fades out into a bobby hurtlock (sighs) it's it's they're making bobby you know stronger i suppose by making him end rules like this where he's taking out his next competitor, and that makes sense to me. Um But if that's the case, what you know why why is Barron getting involved? Why can't Bobby do if but if the whole if the whole point of removing Cedric Alexander and and Shelton Benjamin, the whole point of that was to make Bobby seem a more legitimate individual threat. That's what I thought anyway. But it turns out he just wanted to replace those two men with Baron Corbyn. And that, in my head, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and MVP at, on commentary seemed to be on side with this. Um, I mean, is, is the Hurt Business now, Corbyn, Lashley and MVP? Are they? Is there no faction whatsoever? I don't really know. Um, it just seems like a lot of stuff has been has been pressed together with you know days away from wrestlemania and that to me doesn't really feel as it should you know the hurt business deserved the reward i don't get splitting them up and replacing two men with one person i don't see how that really helps um i want to see bobby versus drew at mania i do want to see that match but i i mean i i, I don't want to see it with corbin at ringside or anything like that I just want to see it you know I, I like Bobby Lashley like I said I don't rate his microphone stuff but I like Bobby Lashley I'm I'm quite I'm quite pleased for him that he's WWE champion because he should have had it a long time ago but you know I think that Bobby and Drew just should have been what it was this match doesn't need to be overcomplicated. um the storyline sort of sells itself you know that Drew has not had an opportunity to get his title back um from Bobby so there you go you're going to have two you know main event raw guys go at each other at WrestleMania in a match we've we've not seen at least to my knowledge we've not seen it and it's two deserving people in the main event it's two deserving people and that is what WrestleMania should be so stop overbooking it with just unnecessary storylines. Um, but look, we are incredibly close to WrestleMania now. WrestleMania has been um, a very, very strange one to book this year. I think it's just because they they know it's the first sort of <clears throat> public gathering for WWE again. That they want it to be massive, they want it to be special, um, and that's why they're getting certain celebrities involved. You know, like Bad Bunny and uh, over on SmackDown, they've got Logan Paul, ugh, Logan Paul involved. Um, yeah, I understand where WWE are coming from, but you know, WrestleMania normally should be done and dusted, um, in terms of what's set in stone, and we're we are now. I think, is it 11 days away now? We're 11 days away from from WrestleMania and everything is still not finalised or is in the process of being finalised. You know, most of these feuds need more backing. Like I said, Asuka and Rhea needed more backing. It could have been backed up a long time ago if they had just worked out the Charlotte stuff sooner. Um, Braun and Shane it just feels rushed so much of it feels rushed we still haven't sorted out what's going on with the women's tag team titles uh, yeah there's a lot to be to be unpacked um before night 1 of wrestlemania so there's yeah there's a, there's there's a lot going on we're obviously going to get some more information on certain bits either over twitter or on uh, smackdown on friday night but again with every minute that passes, we are getting closer and closer to WrestleMania. And WWE still don't have things sorted. And that's a problem. It is a problem. Um, and I hope, I really, really hope it doesn't affect the way so many watch WrestleMania on Saturday and Sunday. Because um, there's a lot riding on it for WWE. There really is. You know, It is their first fan-attended pay-per-view. And it is their biggest pay-per-view of the calendar year. So there's a lot, there's a lot that is riding on this and like I said, I'm sure we'll get more as we as we go, you know, as we get closer and closer to mania, but it is what it is for the moment and we, we have to we are going from a day by day process with how WWE is booking it and unfortunately that is that is the way it is and we have to sort of take as many positives from that as we possibly can. Um, you know, even if we don't agree with the booking let's just try and enjoy it as much as possible because it will be a momentous moment for the fans rather than just the company as well. So, yeah. Anyway, that wraps up our our first Raw, uh, Raw review. Um, like I said, we are going to be doing the NXT review. Um, hopefully have that out on Thursday. Um, so we'll have that for everybody and then obviously with the subsequent uh, smackdowns we'll have that out on saturday hopefully so we can get everything sort of rolling with uh, gtw Um, obviously we've got uh, an instagram page at the moment Um, i will set up twitters etc and we'll get things out there but our instagram at the moment is at gtw podcast please come and follow us Um, there's only one post up on there at the minute Um, but feel free to dm or anything like that if there's anything you want me to to sort of go through or talk about it is there something you don't that you, you you disagree with me on um you know please do I, I welcome anyone who is willing to to debate anything wrestling related um but yeah that wraps up our first one that is the very first uh, podcast done um thank you for for sticking with me for uh for an hour and 20 minutes i do really appreciate it um if you do like this podcast please subscribe um and obviously please just please follow on because i'm you know i will um try and go as in depth as my head will allow me to go with professional wrestling um i have been a professional wrestling fan for a long long time now and i have been extremely passionate um about doing something um in this particular field for a long time um but yeah, absolutely. Go So like I said, go over to Instagram at, GF, at GTW, uh, podcast, And yeah, listen along, keep an eye on the feeds. And um, I'm hoping to have the Smackdown, uh, hoping to have the NXT review out with you on Thursday. So with that being said, thank you very much. And have a lovely day or evening based on where you are. Thank you.